Welcome, beautiful people, to Growthology Podcast. I'm Lorena, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist that is very interested in the science behind all things well-being and growth. And I am Monica. I'm a working mom, a wife, currently a college student, and I'm just an everyday person who's trying to live a happy and healthy life. In our podcast, we discuss topics like personal growth, wellness, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence, and hopes to grow a community of positivity. I hope that you enjoyed part one of this episode on intimate relationships. Now we will head on to part two. And for those of you who did not listen to part one, we are doing a two-part series on intimate relationships. So make sure you go and catch up um, right after this episode. All right. So embarrassing story for everyone. I dated this dude, right? <laughs> At this time, I was not the most emotionally secure. So this was probably just after my divorce. I was still trying to figure out who I was as a person. I was going to a lot of therapy at that time. So I'm talking like traumatic therapy along with regular therapy. Um, So, you know, I talked about the unbagging from one relationship to another, which is what my therapist told me. Once I unpacked my baggage, this guy became super avoidant of me. And honestly, I don't blame him for running 10 miles away because I was like the biggest red flag because I brought all of my emotional issues into what could have been a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say dated, I mean talk. I don't mean necessarily dated, yeah. but you know, it was going to be a relationship, maybe. Well, it was going to be dated <laughs> until that happened. Yeah. What I realized now, which I didn't realize then because I was so like brokenhearted and like, oh my gosh, this person doesn't like me. I got like sucked into that negative spiral, is that mm-hmm. I wasn't even healthy enough, like mentally healthy enough to give myself in a relationship yeah and I think a lot of people don't think about that Mm -hmm. is that if you're not in a good place like what kind of relationship are you really setting yourself up for because like I kept thinking to myself well maybe I'm just damaged and all these negative thoughts rather than accepting like hey maybe these are red flags for a reason and I've totally been there as well with a past relationship where I had really low self-esteem and I wasn't doing well mentally so anything that this other person did I really took it to heart um you know they were still doing some messed up stuff but looking back at it now the person I am now that I've learned and grown matured and just have had so much self-reflection I probably would have acted way way differently and I probably would have broken up with this person way sooner than how much time I let go and I let pass right there goes there goes another another breakup (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's too good (laughs) another thing that I want to mention is something called romantic competence so it's the ability to use these these three skills that I talked about before um 
which were insight, mutuality, and emotion regulation. One of the studies that psychologists did was showed that teenage girls who are more romantically competent, which means using those three skills, have more secure relationships, are less worried of rejection, they have fewer depressive symptoms, so their mental health is healthier, more positive expectations of marriage and are more optimistic of the future. And the same thing was seen with a a study done on young adults. So I think it was 18 to early 20s. They were better at seeking and providing support for partners. They were more willing to ask what they needed. And they were just overall more satisfied and happier in their relationships. We both have read this book. It's called Attachment. And this book really spoke to me, you know, as I was listening to it. The concept is uh, so the emotional and, and the romantic competence definitely in yourself, knowing yourself, knowing what you are. Um, so there's three types of attachment style it's anxious, secure, and avoidant. What does that mean? So if you're anxious, that means in a relationship, you tend to be anxious. So if you're seeking more of that comfort, I would say, you know, in my younger 20s, I was definitely an anxious. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next would be secure. Um, so a secure is somebody who is secure. They're not anxious and they're not necessarily avoidant, maybe in some situations, but for the most part, they're able to adapt. Yeah, they're confident and resilient. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is really important because you can adapt to someone who is secure, anxious, or avoidant because you're a little bit more like intelligent with with feelings in your own and and other people's and kind of say, okay, this person is anxious in this situation and they're easily able to adjust and kind of like help that situation. And then the other end of the spectrum would be avoidant. So that means that you are just completely avoidant of any kind of confrontation, also of anxious individuals or the anxious attachment style specifically. But rather than addressing problems, you just you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to discuss them. You don't want to fight. But that doesn't mean that like everything's okay. You're still unhappy. You're kind of like suffering in silence as avoidant where, you know, the anxious is like, outright like sharing all of the emotions so definitely someone who is anxious should avoid someone who's avoidant in a relationship because that probably isn't going to mix well together Mm -hmm. because you're going to have one person who's trying to talk about their feelings have everything out there is a little bit over the top with with everything and the other person is the exact opposite so the more that they push the more that they want the more the other person withdraws from that relationship so understanding yourself and what works well with you so my husband is secure that definitely helps with the times that i was anxious in our relationship he was cognizant enough to uh, of my feelings enough to to be able to adjust and honestly I think just being more mentally and emotionally mature I've veered away from the anxious and became more of a secure person do Mm -hmm. I have anxious tendencies yes but I think like that's just kind of like who I am 
I think anxiety is is a life thing. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn to adapt and you know improve yourself. So just just some food for thought. Yeah. For everyone. My friend actually, um, she's the what my friend Sabrina. She recommended that book, and so I actually just read it very recently, probably when the pandemic started. And then I mentioned it and you said you had read it and it's really a really good book just to understand yourself, but also other people. And you can kind of tell like who's the book does a really good job at explaining um, what the attachment styles entail. And it has a little quiz within the book as well. So that was really nice to do and to learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like you said, important to know what your partner is and um, just people in your life that are close to you so that you can learn how they communicate and why they are the way that they are. And it's not saying that, you know, these people can't work out in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's saying like, are you going to be the happiest or the most satisfied in that relationship? Because you can make a relationship work with pretty much anybody, but that doesn't mean it's going to be fulfilling and be everything, you know, that it can be. Right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about unhealthy relationships, just short, um, because I think we it's basically just the opposite of what we've been talking about. Uh, But just signs of problems, um, just problem behaviors and things within a relationship that would make it uh, unhealthy is feeling pressure to change and obviously not making changes for the better, but pressure to change who you are as a person, just maybe change things that don't really have anything to do with bettering yourself. Neglecting needs of oneself or the other person lack of privacy unequal control criticizing one another feeling afraid to share your thoughts feelings opinions or emotions poor communication lack of respect avoidance violence whether it be verbal sexual physical or emotional and having disagreements discussions that don't go anywhere so having the same argument over and over and over again and then never really getting to a resolution would you say that that these signs get progressive or are that is it like a cycle as in get worse mm-hmm. yeah like do they get worse as they go yeah i would say for the most part it does get worse if uh nobody is trying to kind of put a stop to it or set boundaries And that's where things can get uh, really scary because then it becomes an abusive relationship if it's uh, very one-sided. So what is an unhealthy relationship, a toxic relationship, or an abusive relationship? Are they different? Well, obviously the abusive relationship, I mean, is that a toxic relationship? Is a toxic relationship an abusive relationship? Yeah, I would say they're pretty Mm -hmm. interchangeable terms. It's just the severity of it. Um, because I would say that lack of privacy, that's a way of abuse because you're abusing control and you're trying to have control over the other person and not respecting one another. So that could be considered mm-hmm. uh, mental ab- or emotional abuse because that person might not feel safe. Yeah. It's hard with this stuff because it's not like math, you know, it's not like two plus two is four and that's the answer Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of different answers a lot of it is uh scenario based how that person feels you know I guess I feel that a lot of people 
are in unhealthy relationships and maybe don't realize it until it's like you said, it's too late. And when it comes to like toxic or even abusive relationships, I think those are the hardest to walk away from too. Yeah. Because there, it's just, it becomes like a vicious cycle. And when the cycle starts up again, it's like, because you, you know, you do have a period of like things are normal and things are stable. But then when it, when it starts up and it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's happening again. And then it kind of calms down. And that just, I don't know. It's just hard. I feel like it's hard for, and, and I don't know, maybe you feel like this, but yeah. I think it's hard to be like a bystander when you see other people in those relationships and understanding what a healthy bystander does in that situation. Like not an abusive situation, obviously call somebody. Yeah. But when it comes to like the unhealthy, toxic, emotionally abusive, mm-hmm. where it's not as predominant. You know, what do you, what do you do for, for other people that are going through that? It's just really hard. Yeah, it is hard because you don't, like, if you see something with somebody that you love and care about, you want to put in your two cents. But at the same mm-hmm. time, sometimes people just aren't ready to hear it or they're going to take it the wrong way. And then you're seen as the bad guy, seen as somebody that wants to cause issues or create a problem. I always say that you should, but then, you know, it's easier said than done for sure. Right. And I think one of the things I learned in my relationship is that even though everybody was telling me it wasn't a healthy relationship, a relationship that yeah. <laughs> I just, it just was a light bulb that kind of clicked on your own. And until it clicked, there wasn't anything somebody was going to tell me that was going to make me change my mind. Yeah. And I think we've all been there at one point, if it's not regarding relationships, it's regarding something that we kind of have to just fall on our butts to learn. And like you said, no matter what people tell us, we for some reason don't want to listen and when we have to get to a really bad place before we learn and decide to make a change. Yeah. Just one of the many annoying things of being a human. <laughs> Stubbornness. <laughs> All right, so how would you say we can improve relationships if they're not healthy? Well, basically doing all the things that we said were healthy and not doing all the things that we said are unhealthy. Um, but Knew it. Aside <laughs> from that, showing appreciation for one another, uh, a lot of the times we get comfortable in a relationship. You know, we're not in the honeymoon stage anymore. We're not being all lovey-dovey all the time. But we need to remember that it's important to show gratitude and show appreciation for one another, Uh, not have that mentality of, well, you should do this because I did this or, well, that's what's to be expected. That's not a healthy way of thinking for you or for your partner. So even if it's a small thanks for, for cleaning up or thanks for helping me do the laundry, instead of thinking, well, they should help me do the laundry. Why would I do it all by myself? Just showing appreciation, um, mm-hmm. keeping things interesting. Like I said, sometimes we fall into a routine, but keeping the spark alive, doing new things as a couple, um, going on different types of adventures, just learning new things together, going to couples counseling before things get worse. I think it's a lot, it's a lot better when you feel like <clears throat> it's an issue is just starting. It's so much better better to just go then and not wait until things get worse Mm -hmm. learn how to compromise 
know that you're not always going to get your way and that's okay. We need to push our pride aside sometimes. Having boundaries, like I mentioned earlier, have being able to have your own individual self and be an individual, not just a couple. Not having to share passwords. That's a big one. And I think that that's a pretty controversial one. Like password to your phone, password to your social media. That is not healthy, but I know that that's that's I think that's becoming more and more common now uh, in this age that couples think that they need to see everything Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you think about that yeah I so I do know my husband's password to his phone Mm -hmm. but I don't go through it okay and that's a boundary that we both I I mean I think it's kind of like an unsaid thing yeah is we both know each other's password because there are times that we do like you know take pictures from each other's phone or something like that But in general, like, I've never looked at my husband's messages. And I I would assume that he hasn't looked at mine Mm -hmm. either. And that's one thing that we're just always respectful about is that if there's a question, we Mm -hmm. ask each other, like, oh, who are you texting? Yeah. But not, like, in the who's that? Who keeps texting you? I mean, sometimes I'll tease him like that. Oh, I do the same thing. (laughs) But just. It's a joke. I'm not uh, I'm not seriously asking like who's that? Right. But I'm not no, I need to see never like I think that was one thing in my previous relationship. I'm I do that, but I started doing that and that was mm-hmm. a sign for me. This isn't yeah. how mm-hmm. I want to be. We should just be open with each other if we have questions. And then even um with my husband having female friends. He's never hid to me that he has female friends. He's always like hey, there's this girl that I met at work. Can we go have dinner? Like, I want you to meet her. And she's totally cool. She's just like a normal person. They just happen to work together. I don't have an issue with that because he's open with it. It's like he's not trying to hide anything. And I think that just is just like, okay, we're just secure with that. And I know a lot of people probably are going to say you are crazy (laughs) for thinking that. But I don't think me going through his phone is going to encourage him to not cheat on me. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can't prevent that. I think sometimes people think if I go through his phone and check him, he's not going to do that stuff. They're going to find a way to do it if they want to. But ultimately, you have to trust the person you're in a relationship with to be open and honest with you. And that's one of the things I love about my relationship is that I don't have any doubts that he's, you know, faithful to me as a person. Yeah. And when there's that trust and that ability to be open, then those things shouldn't be an issue. That's why the whole password thing and going through each other's phone is not healthy because it means it's happening for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it means it's happening because you ha- you believe that your partner is going to be unfaithful and hide things from you. And that's already a problem to begin with. Right. For sure. Another one is taking responsibility for one's actions, realizing that you're not always going to be right and you're going to make mistakes. Taking responsibility and the, the ability to own up to our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Healthy conflict is okay. Disagreements are okay and will happen. Just making sure that they are resolved and you're t- you're able to talk things out. Like I said, trying something new together, knowing each other's love languages, 
managing your own stress and our own mental health so that we can, we can be a good partner. If like we talked earlier, if we're not doing okay, we're not going to be a good partner and it's going to cause issues in the relationship. So if somebody's in a relationship and they're not in a good emotional space, what would you recommend to that person? To go to therapy, to work on themselves, to figure out what's going on with them, listen to our other episodes. <laughs> uh, basically, just work on yourself and try to improve whatever's going on. If there is something serious in, in regards to mental health, you know, seek, seek help. Um, mm-hmm. Just yeah. Being aware, I think, is the most important part of being aware of what's going on with you and what you need at mm-hmm. that time. And that way, that you don't let your partner be your punching bag. Um, we shouldn't be dumping everything on our partner and using them as our therapist. Of course, there has to be healthy communication and they're there for support. But sometimes it's too much let's say if I'm struggling personally and I'm struggling Mm -hmm. at work and it's something that I feel like I can't manage I it's not healthy for me to come home every day and take it out on my partner so finding a balance between having them be your support and unloading all our all our frustrations on them and finding our own coping skills as well. I think that one of the interesting things that I've learned probably in the last like few months about relationships is, and and we kind of mentioned the, in, in the previous uh, podcast, the victimization, right? So you're in a disagreement and like somebody says something and then all of it's all of a sudden the conversation comes into this hurt me and this is how you know you're making me feel in this situation but it it does it so much that the person can't communicate to you what they're trying to say because like being overly sensitive or like well you saying that makes me feel this way and i think a big thing that i learned is that when your spouse or your significant other is trying to tell you something being open to listening to it and not jumping to well this is how i feel because you're saying that because then it's like everybody's talking about well well you saying that makes me feel this way well you say that makes me feel that way right but I totally didn't realize that this was happening and that I was doing this because I was focused on me. But (laughs) when you're focusing on yourself, you're not open to what that other person is telling you. Didn't like connect two and two together. Um, And I think that's one thing that really improved my current relationship is in in our conversating Mm -hmm. and our conversation skills is understanding when he's saying something, he may not Mm -hmm. say it in the best way but understanding what he's trying to get across to me rather than oh wow he said that he doesn't want to be in a relationship with me because like in our minds we kind of blow it up to that and it's not the message that they're trying to say okay so one last thing i wanted to say that i found interesting was another study that found a couple's communication style was more important than stress commitment and personality and predicting whether married couples would eventually divorce. So that's this is a lot about our ability to communicate with each other effectively. And that's probably another episode that we could do just on communication styles and effective communication. 
and some additional resources that we want to leave for you guys if you're interested in learning more. Um, the Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. This is a TED Talk that I, I mentioned, could be found on YouTube. Another TED Talk by Joanne Davila called Skills for Healthy Romantic Relationships. Also, I mentioned Attachment, and that book is by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Also, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. We hope that you found this episode helpful, and we hope that you are able to implement some of these skills that we talked about in your relationships or maybe help somebody that is struggling or wants to learn more about having healthier relationships. And more importantly, we hope that you stay growing.